Welcome to the Overflow Podcast. We pray you are encouraged by this message. For more info, notes, or other messages, download the Overflow Church app or visit our website at overflowdfw.com. We just started this series last week called Grateful. We're really talking about the spirit of generosity. And, uh, you know, it's easy uh, to limit the thought of generosity to money. And uh, in fact, just because you throw money at something doesn't mean you're generous. That might just be the easiest thing that you can do. Uh, just because you throw time at something doesn't mean you're generous. It might just be the easiest thing you can do. So, so generosity, it goes way beyond money. Are you guys with me? And it's easy so many times to just think about that. Um, you know, Matthew 10, 8, we, we talked about this last week. I'd encourage you to catch the podcast if you weren't here. Jesus m- makes this statement, freely you have received freely give. We are distributors of the thing that we have. How many know that, that, that everything is the Lord's, right? And then when the preacher talks about money, we say, well, all they ever do is talk about money, right? So there's certain topics we, 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 we agree on with our mouth, but our hearts, we're like, oh, well, we don't want to talk about that, right? Because we know that it costs us something, because it, 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 it gets scary. In fact, let me just tell you today that, you've been, that God has given you three resources, right? Three resources that are sacred in your life. Three incredibly sacred resources. These things are sacred. And I believe for as a believer, as the Christian, you've got to look at these things that God has given you as very sacred. The first thing is your time. Your time is sacred, right? That's why it's important that you have a prayer time. That's the reason why you have time doing ministry, Right? You know your time's sacred. In fact, one of the things that we're more selfish with than anything else is our time. Right? When I punch that clock, don't talk to me. Right? Come on, are you with me? Um, and that, that does in, relate into money. The second area uh, that's a sacred resource is our energy. Our energy, your talents, your abilities, the, the emotional investment that you bring to something, your energy, that's sacred. Right? The thing that you pour your heart into, the vision, the dream that you have, that that is a sacred resource that you're pouring into that. You don't want to, you don't want to be around people that are going to suck your energy. Right? Why? Because your energy is sacred, just like your time. And the third area that's sacred to us all is our money. Now, some people say, well, no, money's the root of all evil. No, no, no. The love of money is the root of all evil. Can I tell you that the love of time and the love of energy could also be a root of evil, but the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. I mean, you know that money was never meant to control you. It was meant to be your servant. It was meant to serve you. But but the thing is, is in our culture where we live, we serve money, right? Where we, where we go to school is going to dictate how much money we make where we get a job, all these decisions, our life, really, most of our time will be invested working a job that we hate to get something that we love, money. Right? But really, money is just an indicator, and that's why Jesus talks so much about money. Jesus talked more about money than he did any other subject. More about, more, more, Jesus talked more about money than he did about love. Talked more about money than he talked about grace. But the reason why in America we can't talk too much about money in church is because money is America's God. It's the God of mammon. And, that's, and when we talk about mammon, we're talking about materialism. We're talking about greed. We're talking about the American dream. More, 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 more. How much is enough? It's never enough. Right? So today, I want you to understand, we already took up the offering, right? 
Everybody good with that? Listen, my agenda today is to invest in you, not to get from you. Okay, so when I'm talking about this, don't think that we have some agenda, right, to get, to, to get the offerings up. That's not the agenda. My, my agenda today is to invest in you. It's to invest in you a heart that is full of gratefulness, that is full of, full of gratitude, full of generosity. Um, if, if there's anything that the world should have against the church, it's this, that we are the most generous people on the planet. That goes, that, goes further than, that goes further than money. Now, the money's an indicator of our generosity, right? If you're always super careful and super tight on everything, and I'll just say it this way. I was going to talk about this next week. This, I was telling Leslie this the other day. With people, we always want to be generous. With things, we always want to be frugal. That's a good rule for stewardship. So when you're dealing with people, when you're dealing with the service, always be generous. Always be generous to your waiter, even if they do a crappy job. Why? Because generous doesn't give what they deserve. Generous speaks of you, not of them. Well, they don't deserve that, so you deserve to give it to them, right? Because your generosity isn't moved by the service that you get, but by the king who's in your heart. I don't even know. It's about the king that's in your heart. Yeah, I don't know. You have to listen to the podcast. Oh, the, the, that thing. Okay, so, so with things, with stuff, we want to be frugal, right? Look for good deals, that kind of stuff. But when dealing with the service, we always want to be generous because people offer a service, right? So we are always looking for the best deal. Keep in mind that we want to be generous with people. Right? So look for good deals. We'll talk about that uh, when we talk about stewardship, and, uh, and we will. So, uh, again, my, today, my, my agenda today is to invest in you. Uh, you know, Jesus said it, Matthew six twenty four. he says, Man cannot serve God and money or mammon. Some translations say, what is, what is he talking about? Greed. He's talking about materialism. You can't be materialistic and love God. You can't love, you can't be so attached to things. And see, this is the rich, rich young ruler's problem, right? We talk about the rich young ruler. What was the problem? He came to Jesus. He's like, I have all these accomplishments. I have all these things. And Jesus is like, yeah, he's like, go get rid of all of it, and then we can talk. Why? Because that doesn't impress him. Talent and ability doesn't impress him until it's brought to him and he does something with it. These are these are a couple of reasons, excuses, statements that people make about generosity. How many of y'all want to be generous? I know that I, I want to be more generous. I think we would all agree if we're a follower of Christ, we all want to be more generous. Why? Because we want to be like God, and God's generous. And so what we say about generous is we say, I would be more generous if I had more. Right? If I had more, I'd be more generous. You know, the most generous person that we know of in Scripture was also the poorest. Remember that widow that gave all she had? The most Jesus said, we'll, we'll talk about her forever. And here we are talking about her still today. Why? Because she gave everything she had. She didn't give a lot in, in comparison and contrast to someone else, but, it, but her generosity was not measured by the amount, but by the heart that she gave. She gave everything. If it was a number, it was a percentage, Right? So people say that if I was, I would be more generous if I had more. If I was rich, 
I would help people. In fact, we've heard a lot of us have dreamed about, man, I would love to have so much money and I would just give so much of that money away, right? But what are you giving away now? Because if you can't steward what you have now and give away what you have now, then later you won't have anything to give away either. It's like I get a better job, make more money, why? So I can have a higher house payment. Live in a nicer house, drive a nicer car, higher car payment. Right? So we want all this money, why? So the, the quality of our thing can get bigger. And then at the end of the month, we still have the same amount of money left over. So our percentages where we spend them don't really change. Our giving doesn't go up. Our investment, our alms, the gifts to the poor, they don't go up. Our donations, they don't give up. Our bond, taking people out and buying them lunch, that doesn't go up. That all stays the same. Why? Because we're not good stewards with percentages, and so we won't be ruler over much. Now, a misconception is if I was rich, right? So we're talking about rich. Now, different people, this is uh, some statistics I got, some research that I got. It says that people, people with different wages were asked, what would it be? How much money would it take for you to consider yourself rich? So a person that made $30,000 was asked, how much would it take for you to consider yourself rich? They said, well, if it was $74,000, this was the poll, I would consider myself rich. A person that made 50000 was at 50000 a year. They said, if you made 50, if you made, how much would it take for you to consider yourself rich? If I made a hundred grand a year, I would be rich. And then they went to the person that made two hundred grand a year, and they said, which I think is pretty rich, they said, how much would it take to make you rich? Because even making a two hundred grand, they didn't consider themselves rich. They said, if I had five million dollars in assets, I would consider myself rich. So the rich line moves according to what you have. Check this out. Just, just to put into a perspective, if you make $50,000 a year, which is probably pretty close to the average American, you're in the top 0.31% of the world. That means that you're richer than 99.7% of people in the world if you just make 50 grand a year. Total household income. If you make 33,000 a year, that's like less than three grand a month then you're in the top 1% of the world. Forbes, baby. Put you on Forbes. If you make 33 grand a year, you're in the top 1% of the world. Your face would be on that book. If you make 15,000 a year, just a little over $1,000 a month, you're in the top 8% of the world. You're richer than 92% of people on the planet. If you make 15 grand a year. Wow. So the rich line moves, doesn't it? Here's some rich people problems, all right? Because none of us, most of us in this room, I don't think any of us would consider ourselves rich until we just looked at that list and we're like, dang, I got a lot. These are some rich people problems. First of all, your cell phone data plan keeps running out. Dang it! Just having such a rotten day today. Well, what's going on? I don't have data. I ran out last week. Rich people problem. So you should get an unlimited plan. Fancy. Your AC isn't working in your car. 
if you own a car, you you're one of three percent in the world that has a car. Top three percent of the world. If you have a car, my AC isn't working. I don't know what I'm going to do. I just can't glorify Jesus today. You don't understand. My AC isn't working. The battery in your remote is drained. And I'm talking about the remote for the door that houses your car. So you have a house, and then you have a house for your car, and the battery is drained in the remote that makes the door on that house open. Rich people, problems. Some of us have houses inside our houses, not just for our cars, but actually for our clothes. And as we scan our fingers over all those clothes, we say, I have nothing to wear. (laughs) Rich people problems. They messed up the shade of your manicure. Don't go there on Yelp. They forgot to take off the onions on the burger you ordered. The Wi-Fi doesn't work in your bathroom. Rich people problems. Somebody misspelled your name on your decaf, venti, non-fat, three-sugar, cream brulee latte. Those are rich people problems. These are rich people problems. If you've dealt with one of these things and it frustrated you, it's because you're rich. These things are all just blessings that we take for granted every single day. So in contrast, in contrast, you're rich. You're rich. Let me say this. Better than being rich, let me tell you today, you are royalty. You are royalty. But see, in the kingdom, wealth is measured by generosity. In the kingdom, your wealth is how rich you are is by how willing are you to give away what you have. Poverty is measured by greed. How greedy are you? That's how poor you, uh, poor you are. How many of you have heard that quote that says, they're so poor, all they have is money? Some people are so poor, all they have is money. Gang, let me tell you today, greed will cost you more, way more, than generous being generous ever will be, ever will. Greed will cost you more than being generous ever will. Beloved, a hint of greed, a hint, just a little bit of greed will cost you more than being ridiculously generous. Let that sink in for a minute. A hint of greed, a hint of greed will cost us way more than being ridiculously generous ever will. It's way more costly to hold, to live with a closed hand. It's way more costly because that makes you bitter. Come on. That makes you dissatisfied. In 2 Corinthians chapter 8, you guys are out today? In 2 Corinthians chapter 8, there's... In 2 Corinthians 8, 9, 10, you guys can can read all this later, and I would encourage you to do that this week. But in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, there's this church called the Church of Macedonia, and this is a church that's dealing with very much, they're in a financial crisis. 
And this is what Paul says to them as he's encouraging the people of Corinth. Now, the people of Corinth were actually, they were kind of like the trade industry. So they, had, they were dealing with a lot of money. They were people that were, would be kind of on the up and up. And, but, but he starts re- referencing this church in Macedonia. And he says this in 2 Corinthians chapter 8. He says, I want you to know, dear brothers and sisters, what God has done in his, kind of, in God, in his kindness has done through the churches of Macedonia. They're being tested by many troubles, and they are very poor financially. But they are also filled with abundant joy. Well, that doesn't make sense. Which is overflowed in rich generosity. Well, wait a second. They're poor. They're facing difficulty. Yet they have joy that's pouring out, and they're being generous. For I can testify that, that they not only gave what they could afford, but far more. Mm. For I can testify that they not only gave what they could afford, but far more. And as they did of their own free will, they begged us again and again for the privilege of sharing in the gift of the believers in Jerusalem. They even did more than we had hoped for. So they were like, oh man, they're poor. Maybe they'll give us like 10 bucks. And they gave them like 300 For the first action was to give themselves to the Lord and to us, just as God wanted them to do. So we have urged Titus, who encouraged your giving in the first place, to return to you and encourage you to finish this ministry of giving. And then he says this to the church. He says, since you excel in many ways, you're good at these things. You're good in your faith. You're, you're, you're faithful. You're, you're full of faith. You're good in your faith. You have gifted speakers. You're good in knowledge and your enthusiasm and your love from us. You are, man, you are full of passion. He said, I want you to do this. I want you to excel also in this gracious act of giving. So he's telling them, he's telling us, you're doing good. You're excellent. You're, you're nailing it. You're knocking out of the park, man. You got so much faith. I'm blown away by it. You speak, you preach the word of God. It's good. It's so good. You're so good at all these things. You're awesome. You're doing great. I also want you to be good in giving. Excel in this grace of giving. And many times, church, listen, especially a young church like this where most of our people are under 30, it's like we're really good with vision and we're really good with skill and we've got all this stuff. Can I encourage you, gang? Let's also excel in the grace of giving. Let's also excel in generosity. And it might not seem like much to you, but it will seem like a lot to the world around us. And we're not just talking about money. So he, he uses a statement, excel in the gracious act of giving. So let's talk about this today, excelling, and that's, that would be today's title if you're writing down or you have your notes there, excelling in the grace of giving. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, many, many people have used this verse. We love this verse. We like this verse. We love all the verses. Come on. Even the ones we don't have highlighted. Oh, not that one. I'm just going to go to the one I like today. What is the Lord speaking? Oh, not that. <laughs> right. Okay. <laughs> How many of you have ever done that? It's not what I needed today, Lord. <laughs> He's like, actually, it is. Go back. All right. Second Corinthians chapter 9. Remember this. A farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop, but the one who plants generously will be giving a generous crop. We always want the generous harvest, don't we? <laughs> But each of you must decide in your heart how much to give. 
And don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure. For God loves a person who gives cheerfully. Our pastor in El Paso used to say, God loves a cheerful giver, but he'll take it from an old grouch. I always thought that was funny. <laughs> For God, <laughs> it's true. He will take. And God will generously provide all of your need. Now, notice the word generous from God is a response from the generosity of the sowing. So we can't expect, listen, you can't expect generous reaping without generous sowing. It just doesn't work. Oh, Lord, we're asking you, it's only, this is all I can do. I can probably do a little more, but I really want that cheeseburger for lunch. Right? Really want that grande, non-fat, decaf, triple shot, latte. I really want that today. So, no. I'll keep those few dollars, $18 off my tip. The drink cost $18, in case you missed that. Yeah, no, it doesn't, but close. Okay. So, then you always have everything you need and have plenty left over to share. As Scripture says, they will share freely and give generously to the poor. Their good deeds will be remembered forever. For God is the one who provides seed to the farmer. How many know that the seed is God's? And then bread to eat. In the same way, he will provide an increase of your resources and then produce a great harvest of generosity in you. Now, I love what he says here. And then he'll produce a harvest of generosity in you. He didn't say that he would, that he would produce in you a harvest of blessing, but a harvest of generosity. See, generosity breeds generosity. The more generous you are, the more generous you want to be. Now, I've been, I've been soaking on this all week, so trust me, it's been challenged every day. It's stirring me up. I'm like, man, how can I be more generous? I'm finding myself wanting to say no, but I end up saying yes. Yeah, I'll get some time. I can afford that. Yeah, I'll be nice. I can afford that. I can afford a few more dollars on top of my tip. At the restaurant, we left uh, last night. We r- went to this birthday party, and we had Nacho Libre wait on us at the Magic Time Machine. It was really cool. Uh, we don't, we've never been there before, and I got invited to a birthday party, and you know it was really expensive. I was like, oh, and then came the bill, right? Double the tax. It's like sixteen percent, seventeen percent. It's a mediocre, very low tip actually. So I'm usually like a twenty to twenty-five percent guy, and, and we needed to get out. Like it was like close. We had to drive like thirty minutes to get home. And it's close to bedtime. And and we left the tip, okay? And it wasn't a bad tip, but it was all the cash that we had. We don't normally carry a lot of cash, but I'm going to start carrying more cash for this reason. And so we needed to get out the door, so we just gave all the cash we have. And the, the tip was mediocre. It wasn't great, probably a little less than I normally get, but the guy provided a great service. And so I we leave the restaurant. Now, I've been thinking about this message all week. And so I'm just, like, driving down the road. And I'm not, like, thinking, well, I've got to live it so my people live it. It's not about that at all. It's just, like, man, God wants me to be generous. So I'm, we're driving home, and I'm, we're on, like, George Bush, like, driving back, you know, 90 miles an hour to get the kids in bed. Uh, so we'll be here this morning. And I'm driving, and all I can think about is, we didn't give that guy enough money. We didn't give that guy. So I told Leslie, I said, you know, I should have tipped that guy a little bit more. 
She's like, mm-hmm. so we're, we're calling. We call the restaurant and ask them, hey, can we give a credit card tip? You know, can we, we feel like we need to give a little. And I was going to, like, go way beyond. I was going to give them, like, another, like, 20 bucks. You know what I'm saying? Like, not, like, $2 more, which $2 more would have been a s- substantial in the tip that I gave him. And I'm, I'm, I'm still bothered. You know, they were like, no, you can't do that. You have to send in, you know, you can send us a check. I'm like, <laughs> Yeah, they wouldn't just take a blank credit card payment over the phone. So I was really frustrated that I couldn't be more generous. So I'm dealing, listen, honestly, I'm dealing with this tension because I'm finding myself wanting to be more generous, needing to be more generous. And the more generous I am, it's like the more generous I want to be. Listen, you've got to understand that when Scripture says it's better to give than it is receive, it's the truth. And that's not something, you know, some of you guys know Brother Wayne Myers, who, who believes this, and it's a guy that, like, goes through millions of dollars every year and lives in a little bitty apartment, just gives it away to missionaries, gives it away to students, all this kind of stuff, just gives money away all the time. And I, I remember him saying that. It really is better to give and receive. And most of the time, listen, I'll be honest with you, most of the time when people say that, I don't believe it. It's better to give than receive. How many of you are honest with me? I love receiving. Listen, how many know that, that you're born a taker? You're born a receiver. You've got to learn to be a giver. Giving costs you, <laughs> literally. And so I'm just like dealing with this tension, right? But I'm learning that when I give, there's so much joy in being able to just give a couple more dollars on the tip that doesn't mean that much to me but might mean the world to my waiter and then represent the kingdom well. So God isn't just trying to bless you through your generosity. He's trying to stir in you a spirit of generosity, a harvest, he calls it, of generosity. Yes, you'll be enriched in every way. Why? So that you can always be generous. Listen, generosity isn't a one-time thing. It's a lifestyle. I'm learning. Just like you, I'm learning. I'm learning to be generous. I've told some of you the story about this kid that mows my lawn, and I'm like, I want him to do a good job, but I got to realize I got to be generous with my attitude, I got to be generous with my money, I got to be generous with my patience. It's costing me all these things, but guess what? I'm royalty. I can afford it. Y'all okay today? All right. Three ways that Scripture says right here that we excel in the grace of giving. Number one is cheerfully. You understand this is money, but it's not just about money. Some of it's serving. Some of you just need to serve at church or the food bank or somewhere else. You just need to find somewhere and give some of your time. Be generous with your time. We're so selfish. Listen, selfishness in the kingdom is poverty. You're living like you're poor. Okay. So the first way he tells us right here, and we love this, is cheerfully. God loves a cheerful giver. And he, he says this about being cheerful. He says this, you must decide. You must decide. So generosity isn't a reaction. It's really a response. We, we have to decide on response. Reactions happen. Responses, we have to think about it, right? So he says this. He says, you must decide. Notice he didn't say if you decide or if, if you give. He says, you must decide how much. Most of us, generosity looks like this. Am I going to do something? 
Generosity asks a question, how much? Not if. Never ask the question if. It's always how much. Okay? What portion? So you must decide what portion. So when you get your income, whenever you get your time, your schedule, your energy, you guys get it, right? We're talking about all these things, but money is really the best illustrator. When we get our paycheck, inside of that paycheck, there's seed and there's bread, right? You don't eat seed or you poop bananas. You don't eat seed and you don't plant bread. The bread is to take care of your need. The seed is to take care of somebody else's. Every dime that you get, there's bread and there's seed. You must decide when you get that, how much is bread and how much is seed. And we'll talk about first fruits. But first fruits is seed. It's part of your seed. Actually, first fruits is, already belongs to God. So if you're holding the first fruits, then you're stealing. You're not giving. We'll talk about that next time at Overflow Church. All right. <laughs> So he says this, you must decide. So decide what's seed and what's bread. Okay? The second thing he says that when we get cheerfully, he says, not reluctantly. Okay, he's talking about the, the attitude, cheerfully, not reluctantly. What does that mean? That means with no hesit with, with that we're not unwheeling nor nor hesitant. So we're not like, ah, oh, I don't know. <laughs> right? Because that's the way it is, right? It's like because it hurts, right? The checkbook hurts when it's hit. And we're like, oh. You guys with me? Not reluctantly. I'm going to keep you all a little bit today. Okay, hope you're okay with that. Listen. So not reluctantly. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hurry. Nor under pressure. So what most people do is they take this scripture and they go, well, I'm not, I'm not going to give because some, some preacher asked for it. And they use this as the verse, right? Not under pressure. Not under pressure. You guys got to understand, in Scripture, what would happen is whenever they would come to give, now they had already given their tithe whenever they come to the temple. When they come to the temple, they'd have these boxes for alms, right, gifts, like gifts to the poor. And one was required. The Jewish tax of those days wasn't 10%. It was like 25 to 27% that the Jews gave. And so when they would go to the temple, they would have a, two boxes. And one was one that they had to give to, and the other one was if they wanted to be generous. And so what would happen is some people would go up to this box and grudgedly put money in, money in there because a religious person was watching them. And they would go, I don't really want to do this, but I'll put it in there anyway because you suck and you're taking my money. <laughs> kind of the way that we do when FICA takes our money out of our paycheck. Grudgedly, right? So he says this. He says, when you give, don't give with that attitude. Can I say this today, that your feelings, because we, we use that, we go, well, now, I, I shouldn't feel any pressure to give. Can I tell you today, you sure should feel some pressure to give, but it should not to be to impress a person. It shouldn't be because there's a religious mandate upon it. It should be because you want to be generous, because you want to be like God. So there does need to be a pressure. You should have the pressure from the Holy Spirit. Compassion, you should be moved with compassion in your giving. You should. There should be a pressure. Now, it shouldn't be the pressure to please people, but to please God. Are you guys with me on that? So, cheerfully. That's how we give cheerfully. Second is consistently. This is what generosity looks like. Cheerful giving, 
consistent giving. And this we call the lifestyle of generosity. Again, I've talked to you guys about this a little bit today, that this is something that's being tested for me. Every day this week it's been tested. How generous are you going to be, Josh? I don't have, you're not poor. Stop thinking like that. Y'all okay? I know we're talking about money. It's weird. It's church. Come on. Okay, 2 Corinthians 9. Hey, I'm just trying to be like Jesus. Talk about money. Yes, you'll be enriched in every way so that you can always be generous. How often? Always be generous. Just not on Sundays. I'll buy somebody lunch on Tuesdays. That'll be my buying lunch. Always be generous. That doesn't mean you always have to buy lunch. Because what I've found is that by being generous, it teaches you to be grateful for when somebody wants to be generous to you. Right? So you start seeing generosity in other people, and you're like, oh, one of the best ways, like, I like to buy people lunch sometimes, and I always get this, no, man, you don't have to do that. And now I'm like, don't rob me of the blessing, right? Because I want to do that. And so what happens is I used to be that guy that said, don't do that. And now when somebody offers me, I'm like, absolutely, because I know what a blessing it is for them to buy me lunch. So the way that you learn the gratefulness is by doing the generosity thing. So I've learned more about receiving by giving. Makes no sense to me. I don't know. It's just the way it is. It's upside down kingdom. It's upside down. Backwards, in, out, Yoda, talking kingdom. Then he says this, 1 Corinthians chapter 16, he says this, On the first day of the week, you should each put aside a portion of your money that you have earned. Again, consistent. Oh, every once in a while. Listen, we don't tip. When, we, when it comes to giving at church, we don't tip. Oh, the service was good. Man, Josh just didn't really do a good job today. That's like an $8 sermon. That don't deserve anything. Oh, the worship today. Eh, I'm not going to give today. Church was free today for me. <laughs> Somebody like, why is the church taking money? Because we got bills to pay. And we need a bigger building. Soon. We'll talk about that soon. Like today. Listen, the goal in the kingdom is not that we be blessed, but that we be a blessing. The goal in the kingdom is not that you would be blessed. Regardless of what people talk about, the prosperity gospel, blah, blah, blah. The goal in the kingdom is not to be blessed. We don't believe in the prosperity gospel. We believe in the provision gospel. We don't believe... In the poverty gospel, that you're spiritual because you're poor. Poor in spirit. There's no poverty gospel. God doesn't get any any accolades because of your lack, and neither do you. Stupid. That's a stupid mindset. God wants you provided for. Why? So you can be a blessing. Not so you can have a limo with a hot tub. Unless you want to take your pastor in that hot tub with a limo, then you could be generous with that. When we looked for a house, when we looked for a house, we, we couldn't afford anything. We went above our means. Why? Because we wanted to be a blessing because we wanted it to be a place where we could host more people. And if we would just would have had a little house, we wouldn't have got a good house. We would have got just a little house, have like three people. All right, we're starting Overflow Church. That's all we can have is three people. We would invite you for dinner, but we don't have enough room. But we wanted to be a blessing, so we looked for a house with a big living area. We need a bigger living area more than we need other bedrooms. Why? Because we want to be blessed. And then God blesses us and takes care of us. It's always been that way. 
So why do you want to be generous? Because you want to be like God. Because you want to be like God. God's generous. You're not going to get more generous than God. For God so loved the world that he gave. You can give without love, but you can't love without giving. Don't tell me you love God and, you, and none of your money, all your money is yours. That's not love. I can't tell my kids I love them and never provide for them and never take care of them. That's a lie. It's not love. You can give without love, but you can't love without giving. You want to be generous because you're royalty. Let me read this. Gosh, I've got so much to cover. Listen, there's a story because you're royalty. There's a story that one day a beggar by the roadside asked for alms from Alexander the Great as he passed by. The man was poor and wretched and had no claim upon the ruler. No right even to lift a hand. Yet the emperor threw him silver gold coins. His assistant was astonished at his generosity and commented, Sir, copper coins would have adequately met the beggar's need. Why give him gold? Alexander responded in royal fashion, Copper coins would suit the beggar's need, but gold coins suit Alexander's giving. We're generous because of royalty. Third, third is sacrificially. Sacrificially. Cheerfully, consistently, sacrificially. That means we give till it hurts. Ouch. Listen, fire always falls on sacrifice. Fire always falls on sacrifice. Come on. Second Corinthians 8, 3. For I can testify that they gave not only what they could afford, but far more, and they did it on their own free will. We didn't have to force them. We didn't have to kill them for money. Right? It just welled up in their heart. Listen, God gave sacrificially. Just because we give, and listen, in the kingdom, sacrifice is pleasurable. This way. Isaiah 53.10, it says, the, please, Lord, to crush him. God gave everything he had in Jesus. And it said that it pleased him. Jesus, for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross. It's amazing. It's amazing. In generosity, sacrifices are more pleasurable than painful. Stay with me. What if I told you that God doesn't want your money, that he wants you? Would you believe me? But when our hearts are yielded to his heart, we partner above the standard. So we can talk about the tithe. We can talk about that. We will. But when we, when we partner above the standard and beyond, and even beyond in sacrifice, we move into partnering with his giving heart. And I forgot to put this, this uh, on, the, on the, the, the notes, but one of the most powerful moments in my life was 2011, and I was praying, and I said, Lord, I want a wife. I was single. It was in December. And I was like, Lord, I'm lonely. I want a wife. Hook me up, Jesus. And then I said this. I did the unthinkable. I gave God a date. I said, by March. You okay with that, God? And so the months go by. I'm praying. I'm thinking about this. On February 28th, I was in a meeting 
were having a meeting, a gathering at our church, a revival gathering at our church. And during the offering time, people started getting up and a spirit of generosity possessed the house. A good spirit possessed the house. A spirit of generosity came in the house and people just started giving up, getting up during the offering time and going across the room and handing people money. Well, I was working in the media booth and I was like, dude, they need this. I was like, had this attitude. I was like, they need to sit down. And I was like, we're, not, we're in church. Leave me sit I had this attitude, and then someone came up, and they gave me money. I was like, oh. Now, I walked in the service. I had like 30 bucks in my pocket. And so I go in the service, and uh, they're like, I, I, so I get in on it, right? So the attitude's gone. Someone gave, I got goodness. They gave it to me, and I was like, okay, man, I got to get in on this. So I got up, and I went and handed money. So people, I'm talking about for like 20 minutes, people are getting up and going around the room and handing people money, and people are taking that money and going and handing people money and handing people money. I mean, it was just, it was just overwhelming. The goodness of God was just overwhelming. And so at the end of the service, God preached, the end of the service, I'm just so moved by the spirit of generosity in the house. I'm just laying on the floor, and I feel someone tugging at my wallet. And I was like, oh, Lord, you know, here, I gave us money away, and now they're coming to steal my money. Now, I actually thought maybe someone has given me some money. And it was far greater than money what they gave me. And so I got up. Now, keep in mind my prayer in December by March. So I got up and I opened my wallet. And there's a piece of paper. And I had it and I forgot to put it in the notes. It's on that desktop if you want to try to drag it on there. Um, and it's this note. And I unfold it. And it says, Josh. It says, This might not mean much right now, but when that day comes or when that day, whenever that day may be, your wedding bands are on me. Better yet, the Lord. So I'm reading this and I'm like, okay. Okay, God, I understand. And it's dated. February 28th, February 28th, I was praying, Lord, someone by March, the last day in February, God said, I've got it. And within just a couple of months, Leslie and I got together, we ended up getting married the following March. Now, I probably should have been a little bit more specific about the year, but God knew. But can I tell you today that that moment all started with a spirit of generosity. If I wouldn't have been generous, if I would have just sat back there with that, at that table with this negative, ugly attitude, and just be like, oh, well, people getting, which I had at first. If I wouldn't have participated in the spirit of generosity, I wouldn't have got that blessing. I wouldn't have been moved. I wouldn't have been laying on the floor. I wouldn't have been in a position to receive what God wanted to do. But because I yielded myself to the spirit of generosity, God bless me. In closing, real quick, develop a generous spirit. Number one, give thanks, just like we did today. No matter what's going on, you want to have a more generous, you want to cultivate that spirit, first of all, give thanks. Gratefulness always fuels the spirit of generosity. Number two, give something. What have you decided to give? Give something. That doesn't necessarily mean in the offering. It could be to a waiter. It could be to a person that's in need. It can be in the. It can be to Weston. It could be whatever. Just give something. When I was a youth pastor in Odessa, we used to, we, 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 were, we were dealing with kids that, that were living in, in real poverty. And in the offering, we would get lollipops and, and gift cards and, 
and Blockbuster gift cards and all this kind of stuff in there because they just they wanted to give something. Give something. Give your time. You don't have that much time? Give some of your time and watch the rest of your time increase. Find an area in the church to serve or go serve somewhere in the community. Number three, give sacrificially. It's hard for you to give your time. It's hard for you to give your money. Awesome. Do it. Give sacrificially. Give now. Start now. Start today. Don't don't wait till next week. Do something this week. And number five, give continually. Give continually. Make it a lifestyle.